Hello, horror fam, best friends and ghoulish knights, and welcome to the 41st episode of Murders with Mertens. I am your host, Joe, and this is a podcast about horror. Horror comedy anthologies, body horror, folk horror, sci-fi horror, the horror adjacent, thrillers, the psychologically terrifying, scary films in general. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and discuss one of their favorite scary films so we can gush about everything that makes it just so damned cool. Viewers, thank you for the support. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. It all helps to get the word out and bring some much-needed love to this little podcast. Audio listeners, the show is also available on podcast services around the world like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So don't forget to leave a rating when you stop by. Five stars is always appreciated. But enough of all that housekeeping, because today I have the privilege of welcoming back for his second appearance, your doctor-recommended daily dose of nerdiness, Mr. Carlos Rodriguez of Nerdaday Podcast. Carlos, how the hell are you? I'm great, Joe. I'm so excited to do this, man. I've been waiting so long to talk about this movie. <laughs> Well, we anytime talk- I get to gush about this. Yes. Well, we, we talked about doing this one quite a while back and mm-hmm. it just kind of made sense for this to happen this month. Yeah. Uh, as we're recording, it's October 3rd. Uh, you know, for a lot of us horror fans, it's spooky season all year long, but now it is officially spooky season. Uh, so this is absolutely perfect timing because uh, today's film is the 2007 horror anthology trick or treat. Written and directed by Michael Doherty. Um, film spent a couple of years doing the festival circuit uh, before getting a home video direct to DVD release. Uh, nobody had faith in this thing for some no. reason. Um, Carlos, why trick or treat? Yeah, so for me, I remember in the golden days, I would say, of the internet, right? We had it, um, Ain't It Cool News? Uh, you know, before we found out how creepy Harry was. Yep. Uh, uh, don't forget to Dark Horizons as well. Yeah, Dark Horizons. Oh, and yeah. All. And I remember hearing about, hey, um, one of the writers of X-Men, X-Men and X2 and Superman Returns is going to do his own thing. Finally, um, a project he had when he was a kid in like film school it was called Trick or Treat. And I remember hearing about it and it sounded really interesting. And then finally, the first trailer popped up. And I was like, oh, I am like all in. I'm so in on this. And I remember hearing about it, hearing about it and following up on it. And then crickets, absolute crickets. And the only thing I could find, at least at the time, and even in retrospective, it seems like because of Grindhouse bombing in theaters, you know, a movie with Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez filming a horror, you know, back to back movie, which I loved and I saw in theaters. Uh, <laughs> uh it bombed horribly. And I can tell you, I, as one of six people in that movie theater opening weekend, <laughs> I understand. I get it. But yeah. horror felt very off limits for a long time in like the mid aughts. Um, I think we, it was a dry period too, which is funny. Like the previous movie that I covered with you, Scream 4, that was like late aughts. And that was very like si- similar. Like it wasn't like very. It's like retrospectively now it, it's it's held in a higher standard, but yeah, at, not the a lot time, of at that time, yeah, yeah, it's uh, horror has definitely hit a renaissance within the past like ten years or so, and so. you know, not just in that the film suddenly got good; they were always great, but mm-hmm. you know, just suddenly there's a much greater respect. You've got people that actually like horror films doing reviews of horror films. That's, that's a big plus right there. 
Um, you know, so many of the movies that we love, you know, they, they just, they have a bad reputation for being poorly reviewed. And so many of them are such good films and have such a, there's just this better regard for them now. Um, so yeah, it, it was sad to see this thing kind of languish on a shelf for quite a while. I, I think I read part of it was that it was originally scheduled to release like right around the time of Saw 4. And they're like, oh, we don't want that smoke. Um, you know, because yeah. obviously very that popular franchise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, here we are with Saw 10 uh, right now. So, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, I understand. Um, but also just the complete lack of faith that it sat around for two years, two years. Just doing nothing. No, no whatsoever too. like, no word no nothing and yeah. then finally it was like i think the announcement of like warner premiere right that's the the sub studio within yep. warner brothers that released it like that i think right. that was when it finally released and that's when they announced it, like hey trick or treat's coming like listen something's better than nothing <laughs> yeah yeah and i absolutely saw this thing um you know using the uh at the time blockbuster equivalent of the netflix uh disc mm. thing um nice. yep uh loved it and promptly forgot about it for probably about another five years or whatever, you know, like many of those films from that service, I, I turned through a ton of horror on that thing back in oh, the day. That was the um, best part of that. Yeah. yeah. Cause you had all those, uh, after dark horror fest films and I love those. Yep. And Maybe it was, that's Ian stone. Let's go. Yes. Yes. And uh, reincarnation. I, I mm. love that one because there was tons mm. of great J horror and uh, other Asian horror that was coming in in the aughts uh, big time. And it was a great way to see it all. Um, but yeah, yeah. Trick or treat. Um, suddenly people started to seem to be talking about it again within, you know, the past 10 years and um, yeah, definitely gave it another watch and fell in love with it all over again. So yeah, absolutely stoked to be able to talk about this film with a fan uh, because as much as the horror community seems to respect it now and love it, I don't feel like I hear people having full blown conversations about it every day. So no, no, I'm like, I'm like the only idiot on the internet and like in my friends groups, like I, I, it's a requirement. Now, if you want to be my friend, you have to watch this movie and I will promptly judge you. If you look at your phone, <laughs> anything during watching this film, I make people watch it with me. And like my, my friend, when he started dating his now wife, uh, I made her watch this and she was like, I was like, I looked at her at the end. I was like, what'd you think? She's like, Oh, I loved it. I was like, all right, cool. Joey, you can marry her. <laughs> <laughs> it's allowed. Like, You're good. It's now. allowed. Well, all right, man. I think we should just jump into it. Uh, what do you say? All Let's right. do it. Uh, well, starting things off with an old timey trick or treat safety film that was originally shot for the trailer, but was incorporated into the opening of the film because they loved the way that it turned out. How cool is that? It's so good. <laughs> I love the archival footage, the old oh, yeah. creepy costumes, like the, the five and dime. Uh huh. Oh, those plastic shirts. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, shittiness. as a child of the 80s, I absolutely remembered the plastic mm -hmm. smock with the super cheap plastic mask with the super cheap rubber band oh. stapled in that inevitably was going to snap at some point throughout the night. Either that or just hurt like hell at some point or another. Um, you know, you'd have that plastic cutting into your face and yep. yeah, it was so rigid. 
Yeah. Yes. Shout out to my ALF costume when I was a kid. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's so perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, the little instructional safety videos suddenly cut short and we're treated to an Audi full of young women nearly hitting a young trick-or-treater hauling a jack-o'-lantern in a wagon. This is one of the best bits of this movie, though, in that uh, you get all the characters from all four of the stories kind of getting sprinkled into all the other stories. Um, I think I read somewhere that Doherty uh, even complained about what a pain it was to film all of that and edit it all together. And he kind of he kind of wished that um, he had the ability to release a version of the film where each story is distinctly separate from all the others and you could just watch each individual story i think that takes a little bit of the fun out of it but um yeah because because you could play a game with the with the movie which is really fun trying to picture like when in the timeline of this one night mm -hmm. that every story takes place in because you will hear howling at one point but then you'll see it later on and you can yeah. connect the two and, and trying to track where Sam is throughout the whole film is very oh, yeah. interesting where he gets his accoutrements. Yep. You could make uh, definitely a full little chart uh, that sets up the timeline and, you know, you have your red string murder board behind you uh, for something like this. And it, it, it would definitely help. Um, but we're introduced here to Henry and Emma as they're returning home from a night of partying. And she's been having a less than fun time because it's that couple's costume where she gets to be in the not fun costume and she doesn't even really care for Halloween all that much as it is. Uh, she's played by Leslie Bibb and we get Hilo from Battlestar Galactica as Henry. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love that. I love that guy. He's also in Supernatural, like another horror yeah adjacent thing. well actually straight up horror but yeah he's in supernatural as well yeah i i love this lisa bibb this is one of my first roles I've, i remember her seeing in and i was seeing her in and i was very like oh i like her man she's cool and then she starts popping up in like iron man and other stuff mm -hmm. so awesome yep yep um and yeah they have a not really a spat uh, kind of like a nothing fight that couples you know have and she's like hey let's just, this is it. We're going inside and I'm blowing out this jack-o'-lantern and he's like, Oh no, wait, don't do that. <laughs> and you know, there's, there's rules, there's traditions. And she's like, this isn't Hanukkah. And then she bends down and blows out the pumpkin. And during this exchange, you could tell they're, they're being watched from across the street and you see, you know, the, the view of somebody watching them through some type of a gauzy mask or something like that. And when she blows out that pumpkin, the little gasp that you hear is uh yeah it's um <laughs> it'll it'll get better um so yes he cautions that the rules as they head up to the porch and their watcher follows them across the street and emma wants to take down all the decorations and henry just wants to get laid you know he's saying that he'll <laughs> handle it in the morning and she knows exactly what that means he's gonna sleep till noon play video games all day her mom's coming over the next day she's like she's gonna have an aneurysm when she sees all that and and she's like you know just let me take care of this and he just stands there clearly pouting, pouting. yes <laughs> yes <laughs> 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 he's got such a 
dipshit look on his face. Too. Like it's not yep. even like remotely anything else but pouting. Like straight yep. up. Yeah. He, he's such a little baby about it. And she's like, fine. Give me a minute to take care of this. Go upstairs and put on the tape. She says, and it's like, Oh God. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so he does, uh, he, you know, quickly hops inside and, uh, yeah, yeah. He, um, <laughs> uh, no, it's after this. Um, so yes, uh, we get the watcher behind the mask, uh, stalking her around the front yard as she, you know, starts to clean up and she mutters, I hate Halloween, which, you know, the person watching probably also finds really offensive. So, uh, yeah, back inside, he finds this VHS tape that's labeled nature special and he, uh, pops it. it. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> pops it into the VCR upstairs and, uh, we cut back to outside as, uh, Emma unplugs some lights and pulls down some sheets. They've got all these cool ghosts set up throughout their yard. Their, their yard is pretty decked out. Actually. The it's, whole town uh, is really impressive. Looking, oh like, yeah. So like they really sells the fact that this town loves Halloween, but like specifically theirs looks so cool. Mm -hmm. All yeah. the severed hands and everything through the yeah. trees. Yeah. For someone who hates Halloween, she really puts up with a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. She let him get away with murder with all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, these ghosts, they're basically like crosses with a sheet flung over them so that you've got the arms, uh, you know, spread out with, uh, the, the sheets draping down and, and the way she's ripping the sheets off of these things. It's, it's great because you're just expecting something to happen, uh, with that kind of aggressive motion and everything. Um, and I'm still chuckling to myself about the tape. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, th this is where, um, Yes, uh, she starts to pull them down, and then she notices the undead kids leaving Krieg's house, and then spies this creepy guy across the street uh, staring at her, and turns out it's just some dude waiting for his ride, and he hops in, and uh, and then she says, Happy Halloween, as she pulls down this final sheet, and you're expecting something to happen with that, and there's nothing but then she throws it into this box as she bundles it up. And then it just kind of blows up out of the box in this big gust of air. And something is clearly attacking her. Um, and she screams, you know, like you do. And, um, yeah, this is where, uh, Henry sort of wakes up from his stupor upstairs and it's a uh, different screaming on the tape because it's clearly porn. Um, mm -hmm. and he just kind of passes out again. Smiling with uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God! Uh, and back outside, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Emma's struggling with whatever this is that's under the sheet, fighting with her, and. Um, yeah, she kind of, uh, rolls out through their gate onto the sidewalk in front of these trick-or-treaters and there's something clearly slashing away at her. And finally you see under the sheet, there's this jack-o'-lantern sucker with this big chunk ripped oh. out of it. So it looks, you know, kind of like a sickle and this little hand raising it up and slashing it across her throat. And then you get the view from the outside of a poor little kids watching all this happen as the Those little kids probably have the worst night. Oh yeah. The whole Halloween. They, they appear multiple times and it's just, they're the clowns, right? The clown trio. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. Yeah. They, they, they the don't most have innocent a good time. kids and they see like some of the worst shit. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we get the blood spray against the sheet and then something dragging her back into the yard. Uh, sometime later, Henry wakes back up to static on the TV and he goes outside to check on Emma and he sees this ghost that has light under it. And he's probably thinking to himself, that's not how he set that up. And he pulls off the sheet to find her dead and posed under there with the sucker stuffed into her mouth. And um, she's all wrapped up in orange string lights and everything. And we get the fun shift to the opening credits with the uh, comic book panels. Yeah. (laughs) So good. I love this comic book art. We we mentioned it off air. Like it appears multiple times throughout the film. Mm -hmm. But it's it's so awesome. It's uh, such a great way to do the title sequence. It sets oh, yeah. you up basically because it, it, it's mm-hmm. kind of giving you like an overview of what, what the rest of this movie is going to be. It's, yeah. Um, well, it introduces you to Sam, um, you know, tells you that it's going to be four stories and, you know, he gives you just a little glimpse of uh, what each of them is going to be. You know, it does its job, uh, you know, kind of like your old school TV intros where, you know, you get a little taste of what's to come in the episode or what's to come in the season or whatever um, as you watch the intro. So that was kind of cool. Um, and before the credits are quite over, we shift to a shot following somebody dragging a filthy pillowcase, you know, that's hopefully just filled with candy uh, along this damp and leaf littered uh, sidewalk. And, you know, you get the camera panning up to just a couple of people that we'll see later, you know, like, uh, the principal Wilkins and, uh, mm. um, it was played by the awesome character actor, uh, Dylan Baker. Um, God, he's what so a performance good in this one. movie. Yeah. He's so good at creepy, uh, dude. Uh, he played a similar type of character. Uh, did you ever watch the Americans? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he was great in that. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, over a course of a couple episodes, at least, it's. Um, but yeah, he's just great character actor. He's great. Um, and then we get the earlier, uh, and we'll we'll get, keep getting those um, you know little flashes on the screen of earlier or later, just like a comic book, uh, as this uh, film kind of goes in and out of different time periods within this story. Um, and we cut to like this news puff piece about the town's Halloween parade, you know, like you typically see on your local news. Um, I think this was shot like in Vancouver and, uh, like there was a local town that had like a similar, like big deal Halloween parade. So they were able to get like, yeah, they were able to get like a lot of the people that normally participated in that thing involved with the filming of the movies. So that was pretty cool. Um, and you got to pay attention to what the reporter's saying about the different creatures that, uh, you know, descend upon the town because everything that she describes is what we get in this film. Um, but we won't quite get there yet. Um, enter the local costume shop. You know, they don't need no spirit Halloween in this town. Halloween's a big enough deal. They've got a badass costume shop. It's a awesome <clears throat> costume shot and it's bumping oh, at yeah. like 5 or 6 p.m like people are still buying costumes they have a good stock i'm like damn this yeah. town's like ready yeah it's a big deal for them yeah uh it kind of reminds me back in the day when i lived in ann arbor um there was i can't remember the name of the costume shop but it was a really cool costume shop uh you know around halloween in particular of course but it was just just filled to the gills with, you know, 
all sorts of cool stuff like that. And you know, just not the same vibe of your, you know, not to shit on it, but you know, your spirit Halloween, which of course yeah. has taken up residence in a former bed, bath and beyond this year. Um, you know, like you do, uh, but, yeah. uh, GameStop, Toys yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and they always have this kind of empty vibe to them, even though they have all the stuff for the most part, especially yeah, if you get just, there early in the feel... season. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Late stage capitalism. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes, we've got, uh, this little shit peering into the changing rooms and it's the, the ladies from the Audi. Um, and of course this little shit is the same actor that plays Sam, uh, which Shout is out the Quinn Lord. Yep. That's gets awesome. Double duty. This movie. Yep. And, uh, this little kid is peering in at these young ladies changing into their costumes and we get the kids mom. Uh, well also they're reminiscing about their prior Halloween conquests and why they're mm -hmm. there. Um, they're there to get laid. Yes. It's uh, something fun that I read about this film about how the four different stories are all about like how you experience Halloween at different stages of your life. You know, oh, you've, you've okay. got, um, you've got the, you know, the, the girls in their twenties here, you know, that yeah, where partying, Halloween yeah. is all about partying, getting drunk and sex. Right. And you've got the kids in their teens where it's all about, you know, going out trick-or-treating on your own for the first time and doing your own thing. And then you've got, um, you know, the principal story where it's all about like passing on stuff to your kids with Halloween. And then oh. you've got Krieg's story at the end, which is all about just dealing with the bullshit of Halloween when you're a cranky old man. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it was a really interesting way to put it. And I'm like reading this and I'm like, yep. That is absolutely yeah. this movie. That's, that's like word for word. That's <clears throat> crazy. Like I never even thought of it that way because I'm so, especially during this scene that we're on, like, like again, I've watched this movie like about 500 times and I absolutely love this scene because it has such a, a, a different context the second, third, fourth time you, you're around because these conquests, which we'll get into later, they're not <clears throat> necessarily conquests and I, uh, they're I, you conquests know, I love of a different the type. one joke. It's like, it just had some bad Mexican and right. <laughs> The context yes. of that, what you know <laughs> later, is so beautifully perfect. Like it's so yep. awesome. Or like, oh yeah, well that you know that one sailor turned out to be like, who cares? She had a fat ass. So like all this stuff. Yeah. And it sounds sexual, but it's not. Oh yep. my god! And so this perfect. is where the kid's mom yanks him away and then pounds on the door, and she's like, "Hey, there's kids out here," and they all laugh at that because they don't give a fuck. Um, and you know, they're like kind of three, let's all pop out in our costumes and they do. And they're very much popping out because you've got your timeless Halloween tropes of slutty Cinderella, slutty Bo Peep and slutty Snow White. Um, but our fourth has yet to emerge. Um, and they're like, come on. She's like, no, you're going to make fun of me, you know, that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. because she's the shy one of the group and they finally get her to come. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We get the tease of huffing and puffing, uh, you know, mm -hmm. before they blow the door down, I guess. And, uh, yes, she comes out and, um, she's complaining about how she looks like she's five because she's dressed as little red riding hood. And yeah, one of those teases that you're talking about, they do mention to her while well, it is tradition because this is all about 
supposed to be about her first time, right? And they make yeah. comments about her, um, you know, being a virgin at 22. Yeah, it's not that kind of virginity. Um, she's uh, doing something else for the first time, that's for sure. Uh, I also love that her name is Laurie, which of course is a nice little nod to Halloween. There's yeah. definitely a lot of Carpenter tribute in this film. We'll get there. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. For her complaining about how you know her boobs were popping out of her costume, they really weren't. Um, <laughs> no, they were compared to her sisters. No, yes, exactly. Uh, and, and of course, it's Anna Paquin, and you know she was much younger uh, when this uh, film was uh, done. Um, God, I can't even think how old she is now. But um, but yeah, she looks young enough to you know you could expect. Yeah, she's mm -hmm. like in her late teens, early twenties, or something. And you know they're bringing her along for her first big experience like this. And uh, yeah, uh, they go off to find their dates. Uh, and we, we cut to the cash register here and, um, her, her sister, Danielle is, uh, flirting with the clerk. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he has a nice little Freudian slip, uh, <laughs> as he's, uh, yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, she invites them to this party that they're having at sheep's meadow. Um, and yeah, we move on to the kid with the filthy pillowcase from here. Uh, he's in one of those, um, this is my costume, stupid ass t-shirts that, yep. you know, we've all thought about wearing at one time or another, and I'm glad I never have, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's like kind of funny the first time you see it, but kind of annoying afterwards. Yeah. Especially the type of kid he is like, oh, it, yeah. it, it really fits his motif. Oh, it's, it's perfect for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's just, um, uh, smashing all the pumpkins uh, that he can as he walks along here. His face is smeared with chocolate. It, it's it's funny because he's like clearly like kind of junior high age, like just old enough to be out doing this shit on his own, but still like such a child that he's got chocolate smeared all over his face. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, so at this point, um, Let's see here. Oh, yes. Also, I have my notes. Sam would not approve about the, the pumpkin no, smashing. Absolutely um, not. Mm -mm. But uh, we see uh, one of the kids collecting jack-o'-lanterns uh, whiz by in the background. It's the the kid with the shopping cart. Um, and oh, Schrader, right? Schrader? Schrader, yeah, which I'm sure is a play on Schroeder from uh, you know the Peanuts cartoons. Because, yeah. of course, uh, you know the Charlie Brown uh, Halloween special is definitely mentioned a time or two throughout this thing. Um, but yeah, uh, this is where, uh, Charlie, uh, this kid, uh, he spies the candy on Wilkins, uh, porch and he walks up and there's a little sign, you know, Hey, we're out, please take one. And of course he like grabs a handful and then picks the whole bucket up and goes to dump it in his filthy pillowcase. <laughs> and this is where Wilkins, uh, Wilkins, uh, catches him and, uh, calls him out on his diabetes. Like, damn, you um, <laughs> It's like, damn, principal, you call him like, like, don't do that to me, man. You're calling yeah. me out my shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, God, you got the freaking principal fat shaming the kid. Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, Wilkins, uh, you know, offers for Charlie to sit down for a minute, you know, just have a little talk. Then he tells him to sit down. Um, very demanding. Which oh, is, yeah. I remember watching this and, and, 
a lot of my exposure were like the these character roles as we mentioned with Dylan Baker and he's he's very like demure and and like like ho hum or whatever and like mm-hmm. even as as like in the time that what I knew him most from was the Raimi Spider-Man movies. He was Doc Connors. Yep. And I was like, oh man, I can't, I would love to see him play Lizard, but like he makes sense as Doc Connors. He's very like, meh, I don't, meh, I don't know. But like to see him have that commanding presence and voice, like sit down and he, boom, Charlie just sits down. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, from here, we cut back to the girls who uh, happened to brush past Henry and Emma on the street. Um, What's up? About? Emma has one of the best costumes too, by the way. Oh yeah, the, the, the giant yet. boxy robot with the yeah. you know the uh, what do you call them the um, dryer ducts for arms. Uh-huh. Um, I have to do this once in my like I have not done it yet, and I'm like I'm beating myself up every time I see. Him, I'm like I had to do it. Yeah, and I love his like wannabe Flash Gordon type of costume, you know, with like yes. the, the year uh, 2000 style collar from Conan. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's all i could think of uh in this one but uh in this watching but uh yeah they brush by them uh laurie's complaining about her lack of luck with men and the other girls are encouraging her to be more forward um and uh yeah the other girls that are with them maria and janet they demonstrate by picking up the cameramen from this news crew uh cut back to wilkins and charlie where the kid's just stuffing his face with the chocolate bar from the principal while uh he lectures about you know tradition and so on and how he was a little shit just like charlie and he's carving a pumpkin while he's talking and making really aggressive stabbing gestures with the knife while he's doing it Um, the sound design for this whole section is this quick section is so beautifully done because we i mean as horror fans, you get so used to the shink of the knife or mm-hmm. whatever, but it, it's so perfectly done as he's carving into the, the pumpkin and what is about to transpire, which is one of the most disgusting <laughs> sounds that I, I literally have to mute every time I watch this with my wife because she loves this movie. Absolutely. And she'll watch it with me every time, but I have to mute it during this whole session because of the sounds alone yeah yeah well speaking of charlie he starts to cough and he gets a little case of bubble guts um and (laughs) this is while wilkins is bemoaning people's lack of adherence to tradition and uh yeah charlie didn't follow that important tradition of checking your candy and he proceeds to projectile vomit down the principal stairs um it just keeps going too it's and the colors, like it was so well done. It's such yep. a simple, well, special effect. But the, in the, the dark, black and the red, yeah, in the dark, it kind of just looks brown, and you're thinking chocolate. But uh, yeah, yeah, you realize later it's worse than that. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, the, the the vomiting just keeps on going. It's like the scene in uh, Team America: World Police. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, <clears throat> Yes, uh, Wilkins, he carries the boy inside, and that's where you absolutely see that it's bloody as all get out, uh, what this kid is spewing out of his mouth, because he's got him kind of, kind of clutched up to his chest, and he's still, you know, hawking stuff up onto the principal. <laughs> um, Wilkins, you know, makes some kind of disgusted face, you know. It's funny, because he's got plenty of situations in this movie where he doesn't really show emotion, because clearly he's a freaking serial killer, but also, yes. um, you know, from time to time he does, um, you know, sometimes it's fake, but sometimes it's actually real. Uh, I think it's yes, important. It's like his annoyance of bringing this heavy kid in, mm-hmm. you know, 
as he's struggling, like the, the struggle that you don't see with serial killers where they're like, <laughs> I can't get him up and he's throwing up on me and this is ridiculous yep. and it's just getting frustrating, but also sickening at the same time for himself. He's like, I just want yeah. to be done. I, I feel like this. Or the fear that he shows later. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, You know, it's yeah. funny because, you know, you've got comedy horror films and then horror comedies and this feels much more like a horror comedy and that yes. it is a pretty horrific film but it's got some great funny bits just sprinkled through the entire thing mm. um and this is absolutely one of them uh just watching him uh struggle like crazy uh and of course as soon as he gets the kid inside and gets the door closed that's when people are banging on his door more trick-or-treaters and uh as soon as he finally does get this door open, they see just the, the blood trail down his white shirt and they scream at him and then start laughing and compliment him on his costume. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're introduced to uh, more characters at this point. We've got uh, Macy as the angel and I can't remember the kids names, but you got pirate kid and alien girl. Um yes. And, uh, they get their candy from him and they ask, uh, if he's willing to part with the, one of his jack-o'-lanterns and Wilkins kind of hesitates asking if they plan on smashing it. But, you know, she assures him, no, it's for a scavenger hut for, uh, UNICEF. And I think back to Chevy Chase as the, uh, the shark thing on <laughs> SNL, <Yeah>. UNICEF, um, <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. had to be, a, it has to be a thing. But also for Wilkinson at this point, wouldn't he know if there was a scavenger hunt with UNICEF as the it, principal of their school? Maybe. Like, I, he's probably in the moment, he's like, I, yeah. just, I need y'all to leave as quickly as possible. I think he's got other stuff on his mind for sure. Um, but yes, um, you can tell the pirate kid is starting to suspect a little bit that the blood is real because he beats a really hasty retreat. Uh, revealing Sam behind him lining up for mm -hmm. candy. And I, I love the little snatch of the candy bar. And then he mm -hmm. just kind of turns around. And as he walks down the stairs, dragging his sack of treats, it sounds <laughs> like there's a cat inside of it that's, you know, ring with each hit of the step on the way down. Mm -hmm. Most I don't likely know. a black cat as well. Yeah. Because it's tradition. Of course, um, kind of curious where he got the cap because that's definitely not in the story at all. But <laughs> no, but 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 I do He's like the sound. Little adventures, I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's perfect. It's we we need that trick or treat too for more Sam for sure. Um, I know. Um, so yes, uh, we cut now to the girls uh, with the news crew. They're cracking open some beers inside their van as uh, Laurie says goodbye to Danielle. She plans to walk to the party and find her own date along the way, and you know, just kind of heads off into the parade. It's you know they're they're encouraging her to you know you know play hard to get, but you know like not too hard. Um, but yeah, they just kind of drive off and I, I think Danielle seems a little concerned, but eh, she'll figure it out. Right. Yeah. Um, got it. sure. Um, and then cut back to Wilkins house, uh, where we see all the accoutrement of, uh, what he's been doing to poison candy and put razor blades in him and all this stuff all laid Insane out on the table. Setup. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, he's been having uh, quite the evening. Um, in fact, when he came back home, he was gone to buy more candy 
So, you know, I think he kind of intended on killing the whole town's full of kids, you know, it, right? or something yeah, like, like that. that. Like, what, what is his idea for that night? Yeah, you, you think it would somehow come back to him. I don't know. Or it um, could be like a, like a fun game for him, because you think maybe not all the candy has razor blades. Maybe some are like... Yeah, that could be. Like, oh, I got food poisoning from it. And the other one's like, my kid died, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, a little Russian roulette with the candy. I love how yeah. it's all... Um, unique brands to the movie too because True, of course yeah. you know with poison and razor blades and stuff none of these candy manufacturers no out there would be like no nope. you can't Mars is do like that. absolutely not <laughs> yep because people would have an absolute freak out with their product come halloween um but yeah you see all this stuff and uh he grabs a large cleaver and like a big blanket or a tarp or something out of the closet i love how the cleavers up there you know, that, that must be, you know, his body disposal cleaver. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, he heads into the backyard and it's revealed that he's already dug a grave. So, you know, he had things kind of prepped and ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was ready, ready. Yeah. He so had a definitely, he was going to get one kid at least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's at this moment when his little boy calls down to him from an upstairs window and he's got this obnoxious sing song voice and telling him he's back from trick or treating and Wilkins yells at him to keep his voice down and go watch Charlie Brown. And we get one of the best lines of the whole damn movie. <laughs> Charlie Brown's an asshole. <laughs> Billy I get, Wilkins. I every time. It's so Love good. It. Billy Wilkins. <laughs> Language. But he is. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> probably like, the second most annoying kid in a horror movie, other than the kid from the Baba Duke. Yeah, he's, that's a pretty annoying kid, all and, right. And that's only because of his voice. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Oh God. Uh, so yeah, um, he uh, it, Wilkins. He um, after he gets his kid to go back in, he rolls this gurgling, churning body into the grave. And is greeted by the neighbor's dog growling and snapping at him from behind the <laughs> fence. Uh, so he hops down and uses the shovel to hack off a finger and he tosses it over the fence to the dog as a distraction. But it's at this point that their neighbor, uh, the great Brian Cox, comes out calling for his dog, whose name I finally realized this time around is Spite. Not Spike, but Spite. Oh, I thought it was Spike. Yeah, but it's kind of awesome, right? Spike. That's that's actually yeah, that's kind of perfect for for his character too. Yeah. Um so he's out in his backyard calling for his dog and Wilkins kind of hides in the grave, but the not quite dead Charlie gives him away. Um and so Mr. Krieg, the neighbor, he jokingly accuses Wilkins of hiding bodies, but the principal says, "No, he's just trying to fix an issue with the septic tank." Okay. Like it smells like a hooker. Okay. Yeah, it's like it smells like dead whores out here, he says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brian Cox is great. Um good. Uh, let's see here. Uh Wilkins goes back to dealing with the uh body, still not dead, and Billy starts screaming at him again about wanting uh help carving his jack-o'-lantern, especially the eyes. And it's that's a great touch because it's such a typical little kid thing of mm -hmm. having trouble dealing with the small detailed parts on a jack-o'-lantern and yep. needing help. Um, and yeah, uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, fine, fine. And, um, you know, 
the kid is upset that he hasn't been able to hang out with his dad at all on Halloween and do any fun things with him. <laughs> and he's like, well, what if we make caramel apples? And he's like, when are we going to do that? And he's like, after the jack-o'-lantern. And, you know, but I got a date tonight, okay? Um, it's like, really? You're leaving this tiny little kid who also went trick-or-treating on his own. Yeah. Seems kind of young realizing for that. He went on his own because there's that little, <clears throat> little clip with Dylan Baker. It's like, Daddy, I want this. Daddy, I want this. Daddy, I wish Mommy was still alive. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he gets the kid to go back inside, and, uh, yeah, uh, we cut to uh, Wilkins all finished up. He's got a tree planted in the grave and a garden gnome on <laughs> top of it, it as well. He's watering it, too. It's like, that's not how you water a tree after you plant it. You got to put a hose on that thing, and you got to yeah, run it forever. But uh, this is where he's griping about his annoying son. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of throws that watering can down <laughs> yep. and he, he's just, you know, kind of pissed in general. And as he, um, as he, uh, walks up his, uh, back steps, he hears some pounding from the neighbor and he looks over and he sees Krieg kind of pounding at the window at him. And he gives him this um, reciprocal screw you that he got from him earlier. And he turns back and starts stepping, in insi stepping inside. And it's right after he turns and starts stepping forward, we see Sam leap at Krieg and take him <laughs> down. Yep. Uh, and I love how we get a lot of these scenes from multiple angles throughout this mm -hmm. film. Because uh, oh, that's good. Um but yes, uh, Wilkins gets inside. He shuts the door and calls out for Billy in a similar sing song type of, uh, style. And he goes to reach for a knife on the counter and we get a fun little jump scare from Billy in a mask. And well, it's time to head downstairs to do their work. Right. Um, I love how they keep implying that Wilkins is going to kill his kid, but yeah. yeah, then you just, you know, realize that they're just fucking around with the head of Charlie. Um, because yeah, Wilkins plunges this knife down into the kid's head with this just orgasmic look on his face, mm -hmm. just absolute pleasure shoving this knife into this, you know, obnoxious kid's head. And then he pulls it out and then shows his little boy how to hold the knife properly. And then we get the little, don't forget to help me with the eyes line from the kid. Great little tag at the end. right? Yeah. There I also like that the kid is kind of dressed up like Chucky. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah he does have the red hair and all <clears> too. And yeah, it's funny when you watch that, I, my first viewing of that, I was under the impression that he was going to kill Billy as well. I was like, wow, is he going to kill his son? And are we going to see that? Like, because we've already seen one child die already at this point. Are we going to see it again? And it also helps with that line that's perfectly, like, with, like I said earlier, with Dylan Baker's, like, acting for it. But, like, Daddy, I, I wish Mommy wasn't dead or whatever. Because then you mm -hmm. get the implication in my head. I was immediately, I was like, oh, Wilkinson killed his wife. And he and probably true, did. But yeah. Yeah. Most likely he did. And, he just misses his mom. So like, then it just takes a darker turn somehow <laughs> than him killing his son. Yeah. And I'm glad that he doesn't. Um, I, I also, you know, appreciate the whole, you know, this, this kid is just as messed up as his father is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, chances are even Wilkins father 
was, you know, a killer similar, of some yeah. sort or at least somewhat similar. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> it kind of wraps up this little tale and we move on to the alien, the angel and the pirate trio, uh, looking for another pumpkin at a house with an adult uh, Halloween party going on. And, uh, a woman answers the door, a very drunk, middle-aged, sexy kitten, and she's inappropriate with them, you know, asking them if they want a drink, um, as she hands out candy and wiggles her ass in them. And, uh, it's, and it's like smacking him in the face. It's that that's pretty funny. But, uh, as she's doing all this shit, they can see the absolute horrors of the adult party inside. Cause it's almost like a swingers party. Um, because yes, uh, as they're walking away afterwards, the little pirate kid is like, Coach Taylor was in a hot dog costume, butt fucking a pig, I think. And <laughs> I love that line because it's like sheer horror from him. Like, it's like I, know. I have seen things I have that I can never get back. And I can't unsee them. I am going to need years of therapy at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. And um yeah, this is where they run into Schrader, um, the the other uh teenager of this group. And again, like like we said, it's probably a play on Schroeder from the Peanuts stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, he's got a shopping cart and he's managed to snag three jack lanterns. And they're like, three, that's it. And he's like, Well, some asshole's been smashing them all the way up and down the streets. So such a great callback. Yep, yep. Um and yeah, three is not enough for whatever they need to do. Um, and they stop by this house with this awesome front yard, just oh. filled with burning jack-o'-lanterns. And here's where we get the first use of the R word in a time where that was already pretty old and kind of played out and not great. And it's, it's probably like the part I dislike most about this film. Uh, the casual. I, I definitely feel that. Yeah, I feel like Doherty would not have written that in at this point. Like, if he were to, let's say, remake that movie today, like I, I, I can guarantee he probably wouldn't have that language in it. No, it does feel very two thousand three, two thousand five. Yeah, and even then, like you said, still like at a time where it was like, hey, man, we don't, we don't do that anymore. Yeah, man. we, we, we don't need to use that. Doctors don't use that. It's but yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But why are we? Yeah, exactly. Um. But yeah, that's it's the one part that I really don't care for in this film, but it's over and done with pretty quick. Uh, basically, they're talking about the girl that lives at this house who is, you know, clearly on the spectrum. Um, and it's her name's Rhonda. She steps out in this witch's costume and it's revealed that she has carved all of these pumpkins and. You know, they kind of pump up Schrader to invite her along because, of course, he's like the attractive teen and mm-hmm. they figure she'll swoon for him and come along and they can get the jack lanterns they need. Rhonda is, is probably the most adorable human character and she's so innocent, yeah. so sweet. She and is just pure innocence, like yes. the perfect embodiment of like what Halloween is, mm-hmm. which a lot of this movie is, but like her specifically, her character is like very just like the purest form of yep. what Halloween is. Even her correcting them about the name convention of where it comes from. Yeah. Like it feels very Rhonda. Like it's very perfect for her role. Yeah. She's got this cool little, um, you know, uh, witch's costume. She's got the awesome mm-hmm. cat's eye glasses. Um, yeah. Good for her. Um, 
But yes, uh, they get her to come along and we cut to the parade downtown and an alley where there's many couples that are making out. And just as the camera enters the alleyway, you see in the bar or cafe or whatever uh, next to it. Here we go with Emma and Henry. Uh, they're, They're in the corner booth there at the window. Um, so yes, in the alleyway, there's a man in a dark hood with, you know, gloves that would be perfect in any giallo, uh, sexing up a woman who's too lost in pleasure to realize that he's been biting her this whole time and she's bleeding like crazy. And when she realizes she has a massive freak out and kind of stumbles out of the alleyway screaming and wow, what a horrible night to be in this kind of a situation because everyone's going to assume that it's makeup you're playing a bit or you're drunk and, yeah, and you she know, falls right in front of a, a Henry like and Emma. Yes. People that have, yeah. Emma screaming for help and she's yeah, she all bloody grabs her people arm behind and her too. Yeah. to have similar makeup. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Henry's like, yeah, she's drunk. Come on, let's go. And yeah, yeah, this is, she gets up and she's like, seriously nobody nothing and she turns around and there's the man in the dark cloak and he you know does one of those kind of vampire swoops with his cape and next thing you know he's kind of posing her in front of the barbershop dead um yeah and it's it's interesting this costume that this person has it's really hard to tell who this is it is I love the mask. I absolutely love this mask. And I've always been like <clears throat> with the resurgence of, of trick or treat as like memorabilia and all the mm-hmm. stuff that you can buy. Like Spirit Halloween is basically like three. It's like Hocus Pocus, trick or treat. And then some other movies are yeah. like Killer Clowns a lot for a lot of merchandise. Yeah. Uh, well. They had a big Beetlejuice section this year. Yes. Um, no, yeah. Funnily enough, no Lauren Boebert costumes next to uh, the Beetlejuice section. That's, that's you would shame. think they would go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hand in hand. Yes, hand in hand. <clears throat> uh, but as like as you see all this stuff, and they have masks, like the Trick or Treat Studios. Funny enough, one of the awesome mask companies out there. I do like pretty close to movie accurate mask. There's not this one. This one's not there. A lot of the hmm. kids that we see later on the school bus, their masks are on sale. Sam's That's different cool. forms are on sale, but not this one. And I want this one so bad. Because I would honestly buy it and probably wear it as a costume. It's so well done, the mask. Yep, it's uh, it's good. Um, it's you know a little Phantom of the Opera even mm-hmm. um, of you know some of the different incarnations of that. Um, but yeah, uh, we cut from here to the teens making their way to their destination, and on their journey, Rhonda is schooling the pirate kid on the origins of Halloween. You know, I got the whole Sam Wayne thing and uh, all that jazz. Um, and they make it to the rock quarry and Macy, the leader, uh, kind of fills them in on the story of the Halloween school bus massacre. And, you know, somebody's like, don't call it that. Um, <laughs> and we get a 30 years ago type of flashback where, uh, we have eight special needs kids who I discovered today all were played by actors with special needs or, you know, some form of injury or disability or something. Oh, um, I was oh. not aware of this, but, um, 
Yeah, they're on their way home from school on Halloween. They're all in costume. And I also love how we cut to the outside of the bus in the flashback, and we've got Sam poking at a dead bird with a stick. Yes. <laughs> He even lifts it up and looks at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so cute. I like <laughs> yes, he's adorable, even in his horribleness. Uh, but yeah, um, turns out the parents of the kids, um, you know, they got sick of having to deal with their children and, you know, on their unfortunate situation and they wanted to do something about it. So they all pulled their money and they paid off the bus driver to do something for them. And, uh, yeah, basically shows him uh, driving to an abandoned rock quarry, this rock quarry. And, um, he just, you know, blows through the gate with the school bus, you know, never yeah, no mind. issue. <laughs> yep. Uh, and, parks the bus there at the ledge before, you know, the drop down to the, the water below. And he gets up and he's, you know, like checking the chains. So clearly all these kids were chained in, in this bus before Every all of day, this. Yeah. I mean, I understand it was the seventies, but come on, man. It's, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's checking their chains, but also dropping some candy in their, uh, you know, Halloween buckets along the way. It's, it's so weird, but it's you know. so disturbing. Oh yeah. And mind you, at this point, we've already seen like a teenager get murdered, but like this, for whatever reason, like takes the cake for disturbing. Yep. Yeah. One of the kids that they focus on quite a bit is this uh, kid with a vampire mask and he manages to get loose and try to drive them away while the uh, the bus driver's at the back of the bus. And unfortunately, all he ends up doing is driving the bus over the edge and into the water. And the bus driver does make it out. A little battered, but okay-ish. And this is where you hear his wheeze. And that'll come back later. Um mm -hmm. But uh, Macy narrates that uh, he was never heard from again. Uh, the bus, she says, was never found or the town didn't want it to be found. And then this is where the alien girl butts in and she tells Macy that she's so full of shit. Um, that's good. It's good because to this point, you know, Macy's been doing a pretty solid narration of this old story and, mm -hmm. you know, she's sounding, you know, pretty informed and everything. And to have somebody just pop up and, um, you know, give her shit about it then is, it was great. Love it. It's such a kid thing mm. to be like, fuck you. You're lying. Yep. Exactly. Yes. Um, so Macy then finally reveals that they're going to, uh, place the jack-o'-lanterns that they brought beside the lake of the quarry as an offering to the dead. And Macy Schrader and the alien girl, they pile into the elevator. And there's a little bit here where um, Rhonda and Schrader, you know, Macy can see that Rhonda's kind of sweet on him. But of course, mm -hmm. she's into Schrader. So she's going to be nasty to Macy or uh, na nasty to uh, Rhonda. And yeah, that's why... Uh, she and Trader and the alien girl, I think her name's Sarah. Um, they all pile into the elevator and then shut the gate because it can only hold three safely, she says. Don't worry, we'll send the key back up for you once we get down there. And uh, yeah, they start heading on down. 
and here's where we cut back to Lori, uh, finding nothing but couples as she walks the parade route. Um, all amazing costumes, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, you get everyone's the, uh, cos- costumes. The yeah. barbarian lady is yeah. one of the coolest ones. Like that's very Rhea Ripley before we got her now. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the, you got the uh, the centaur dude where his girlfriend is in the back portion. That's that's really unfortunate, <laughs> but you know, it's yeah. you know, but but she's clearly having fun. It's it's okay. Hey, I yeah, guess. she's having a ball. Yeah, and uh, but uh, yeah, it's all these situations, and she's clearly dejected, and she's kind of taking a breather on a bench, and she gets a phone call from her sister Danielle, who tells her that she found her a date at the party, and unbeknownst to Lori, but known to us, uh, it's this middle-aged dude in a baby costume. <laughs> Is he, he, he's kind of young. I love how, yeah, yeah, that's cute. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Um, so she's like, just come to the party. You know, we got somebody for you. It'll be cool. And as they talk, the man in the dark cloak and hood, he's staring Laurie down as she sees him and she's a little distracted as she's talking. And uh, they get off the phone with each other and the clerk from the costume shop is coming up behind uh, Danielle and he starts like kissing on her neck and she tells him not now. And she gets his name totally wrong and <laughs> he, he corrects her on it and she's like, whatever. And um, all of a sudden you hear all this howling and wow. yeah, this is where we cut back to the teens at the quarry and uh, it's uh, the pirate kid and Rhonda waiting for the elevator to come back up. And you hear the howling in the distance. She's like, she's like werewolves. And <laughs> oh, Rhonda. <laughs> but um, so, yeah. so close. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, the elevator comes all the way up and they get in and they write it down. And she's listening to the other teens uh, down below using the R word again in the mist. And you can only see them. Uh, by the jack-o'-lanterns that they're carrying, which is kind of cool. And then you start hearing them scream and the lights go out one by one from the jack-o'-lanterns down below. And they're the two of them. They're just terrified. And uh, pirate boy is really playing this part here Um, as they uh, come all the way down and she's going to go out and check on them. She's pretty brave. Um, but he's too afraid and he's going to stay in the elevator with the gate locked. Um, and she steps out into the mist and she approaches the water's edge and she finds the bus. And as she's stepping up, you see these something kind of floating around in the air and it's kind of hard to tell what it was at least. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, watching the way I was watching, it was difficult to tell. Until you see bloody costume pieces on the ground and in the water. And you realize that what's floating through the air are the feathers from Macy's angel wings. Yeah. It's It's such a great, like little, like little by little reveal as the bis like clears up. Yep. And as she reaches down for something in the water, a hand reaches up and grabs at her and we've got these undead kids coming after her, attacking Rhonda. And um, as she stumbles around, she finds the pirate kid getting his guts torn out. 
and she loses her glasses as she stumbles around and somebody ends up stepping on them and the undead kids, they pursue her and she ends up falling off this ledge and hitting her head in the fall and blacking out. And as she comes to, she's surrounded by these undead kids, but you hear them asking about her if she's okay and everything. But of course she sees this and freaks out and she clocks one of them pretty good. It may have been Macy. I hope it was Macy. I think it was Macy. Yeah. yeah. Cause she's like very upset. <laughs> yes. Um, and you know, she's kind of scrambles backwards screaming and, you know, finally Schrader like pulls off his mask and explains, Hey, it was all a trick. Um, you know, it's revealed. These are all her friends playing a prank on her. This whole thing was just this great excuse to scare the shit out of the poor girl that's on the spectrum. Um, that sucks. Uh, but Schrader kind of shows some remorse and alien girl and pirate kid. Um, you know, they, they look concerned about the situation, but Macy just continues to be queen bitch of the universe. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Enough's so, not enough for her. She needs more. Yeah. Yeah. Probably mostly because of, you know, the, the looks between Schrader and Rhonda mm -hmm. and her just being pissed and possessive. Um, but yeah, she you know, gets pirate kid to go with her, um, to go pick up their shit so that they can get out of there. And, this is where the boy, he comments on this one last jack-o'-lantern being lit. And of course, Macy just kicks it into the water. And it's like, we know this is not a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, yes. So he wonders aloud then about the bus being there. If this was all just a prank, how is the bus here? And she's like, well, that part was true. And then they start hearing some sounds. And Macy starts kind of blaming it on, you know, the kid and he's like, it's not me. And they start getting a little spooked. And we cut back to Schrader kind of keeping Rhonda company. And we hear their friend screams in the distance. And he's like, not again. So he gets up to go check on them. And he tells Rhonda to wait there. And he pretty immediately finds the others. And they mm -hmm. are freaking the fuck out. And it's because there is an undead horde uh, coming to chase them. And they, they like get alien girl with their chains and drag her off. Um, it's that, crazy. yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, and they make it back to the elevator only to find that Rhonda's inside with the rest of their lit jack-o'-lanterns and she's locked them all out and they're pleading with her. It's so good. Uh, and she's kind of weeping a little bit as she's yeah. staring at them. And, you know, they plead with her and you see the, you know, all the, you know, undead kids coming and, uh, she slowly picks up the key for the gate and kind of reaches out towards it. But instead her hand moves over and hits oh, the button for the elevator. That's right. Was such, I was like hype. <laughs> I was so hyped when I, I first saw the film. Yep. And I was, that happened. I was like, yes. Good for you, Rhonda. Good for you. Fuck and bullies. Uh, yeah, no kidding. And the elevator starts to go up, sealing their doom. And she gives this little wave goodbye. Mm -hmm. it's so good as the undead's close, undead kids close in. And um, she reaches the upper level, and uh, you hear all this slashing and ripping and screaming from down below. She comes out of the elevator, and Sam's up there, and they kind of exchange this knowing look with each other. 
and then go their yeah. separate ways. <laughs> She's like one of the few to like actually acknowledge him mm-hmm. in a way, you know, because everyone else is dismissive. Like Wilkinson, just like here, take whatever. He's not even looking at the way. He's like here, take whatever candy yeah. you want. As like Sam just grabs, you know, what we'll see later. What kind of yep. candy you got? Yep. And everyone else, he's like he's he's like a player in the background, but like for her to like, it, which is kind of special. As well, you know, for Sam specifically, like in how much reverence she has for the holiday, for her to see him, recognize him, and acknowledge him, I think it's like a show of respect. Yep, yep. So they they part ways, and uh, we cut to Lori alone walking a path in the woods that's lined with jack o' lanterns, and it looks so good. Um, and she hears a few twigs snap and looks around to find nobody there. Here's a few more as she continues to walk on and she yells out that she's not in the mood and whoever it is should just come out. And of course she turns around to find the man in the cloak standing there behind her and screams. Um, we cut to the party where slutty Bo Peep is getting hammered and, uh, <laughs> and telling, <laughs> telling Danielle that Lori will be okay. And Danielle's not so sure. Their mom always told, uh, said that she was the run of the litter. Again, with the nice little nods to what's to come. Um, cut back to the man slamming Lori against a tree and licking her neck. My, my, what big eyes you have, he says. And then he bites down on her neck and she screams. Uh, back to Bo asking Danielle about the guy she was setting Lori up with. And then camera moves down to the, the baby man all passed out <laughs> drunk. Um <clears throat> And then we get uh, this woman. I love Bo Peep's look too. Like it, her name's Janet, and she looks. She's like, eh, all right. Yep. <laughs> and that'll do. Yeah. And uh, we cut to one of the women there at the party screaming, and Laurie's red cloak is thrown into the middle of the clearing, kind of crashes against a tree and drops to the ground. And Danielle immediately thinks it's Laurie, you know, because of course, and she goes to check on the body. But it's the man beaten to a pulp and he pleads for help. And we get the POV shot of Laurie approaching and all the ladies kind of stepping back. And there's almost kind of a look of awe on their faces. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, she's a little bloodied. But she kind of seems to have found her mojo, right? She's She has a different look, too. Yeah, her hair is kind of teased out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's like more empowered at this point too. Like it yep. feels like she's just like chest out everything. Like she's just yep. like I'm here. She is ready to go, and uh, Danielle admonishes her tardiness, and uh, she apologizes, telling her that uh, it took longer than she ins- expected. You know, playing hard to get, um, which is funny considering all of this now. And uh, while Danielle kind of checks to make sure that she's okay, Snow White steps o- steps over to the man. Um, and she just kind of rips his mouth open. Yeah. Uh, you almost think she's going to rip his jaw off the way she does it, but no, she just reaches in and pulls out his fake vampire teeth that, you know, looking at these things, they must've been awfully sturdy, but it looks yeah. like the little kid vampire teeth in a way, uh-huh. you know, like it's like an adult version of them. <clears throat> exactly. I've worn like, uh, well, well, I've worn werewolf things. Uh, funny mm-hmm. enough, at um, a local shop here in Philly called Masquerade, and they like you know you put like the little glue dental adhesive, yeah, hands. yeah, and they they're kind of sturdy. So like he has like a whole row of them 
Mm-hmm. It almost is like like you said, these like very little kids, like the waxy like teeth that we used yeah, to Yeah, the little with, cheap like ones, yeah. Veneer version of it almost. Yep. And she looks at them kind of, you know, looking a little bit like she's impressed at first. Yeah. And then she she unmasks him and it is revealed that it's Principal Wilkins. And he's got like the Batman style eye makeup on. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. But uh he asks her, Who are you people? And she just kind of smiles at him and walks away. Um and this is where he kind of looks around to find dead and dying men everywhere. And he starts screaming and he rips the cloak aside. And we see that he has a horrible compound fracture on his leg. Um, and back with Laurie, uh, telling Danielle that she's nervous. Her older sister tells her to just be herself. And then we get the, uh, the needle drop of Marilyn Manson's cover of sweet dreams oh. are made of this. And this was and almost it so. Oh yeah. It, it is perfect oh. for this scene, but this was almost Patsy Cline's fever. Yeah, I know. I read that and I was like, I don't know what would be better in this scene. Cause I'm so used to Manson's like, yeah, the Manson drop. And I'm like, and I'm so in love. This is absolutely <clears throat> my favorite part of the movie. And I would like to gush more once we get the re- to the reveal, but like, once that starts hitting, I remember watching it. And it, even to this day, again, I've watched it. Mo- I'm not even joking. Probably 500 times. Yeah. I get goosebumps still. Oh, it's perfect. And, it, you know, the studio wanted something with a little bit more punch. And, you know, yeah, yeah I can see it. Yeah. I would and, love to see an alternate cut with, with Patsy Klein's song. Yeah. Because you know, that's, yeah, you know, that, that, that one's a bop as well. I mean, it's mm-hmm. old. I mean, hell. The, the Manson cover of this song was old at the time this movie came out. It was more than exactly. 10 years old because that was like mid nineties. Um, but yeah, that came out for what, like disturbing behavior, right? Or something. Like, no, even before that, it's, oh, that's right. It was relatively old and so are we, but, uh, yes, we are. um, <laughs> but um yeah laurie uh steps over as all the women start writhing to the music and she tells wilkins that it's her first time so you know bear with me and they all start to dance and laurie's kind of ripping up his clothes and they all start to disrobe and then also start to change because yep werewolves and Uh They're also the cool kind of werewolves that shed their skin when they chance transform, um, which you don't see as much in werewolf films anymore. I, yeah, no, I feel like the most recent example of that. And I don't even know if you remember this. It was a Netflix show called uh, Hemlock Grove. I do remember that show. I don't yeah, think I Bill ever. Fin- yeah, I don't think I ever quite finished it, but uh, I Same, did wa- but watch. I remember like, those transformations were brutal looking similar mm-hmm. to like you know american werewolf in london or the howling you know yep like, yeah but this has such a different turn because it doesn't seem painful it seems sexual yeah a, a, like, again, like a relief almost like a, like a yeah very orgasmic. much these are people in their 20s celebrating halloween and halloween yeah. in your 20s is all about sex and getting fucked up so mm-hmm. yes um, yeah, it, it's, it's great. And it, we get the, uh, what are you doing, uh, from Wilkins whimpering at, at her and she says to him, my, my, what big eyes you have. And then mm. she, you know, kind of rears back and you see her bare her fangs 
And then she just digs in. And, you know, it's an interesting thing with this film. Most of the kills do happen slightly off screen. Mm-hmm. They're not yeah. like, in, you, you don't really see the graphic nature of the deaths. So This movie could almost be PG-13 if it weren't for, and even to this extent, because like, even though I'm saying with the, the transformations being sexual in nature, or at least mm-hmm. seeming very sexual in nature, it's not like a... It's not overt. Tasteless use yeah. of of nudity, where we had like the you know the porn scene in the beginning mm. that feels like very like oh it's a horror movie yeah I know what yeah. we're doing but like this you can almost get away with it like I don't know yeah. if they had there's they had some one boob Dave shot magic. in uh in this whole scene and yeah. that could very easily have just been edited out you know yeah. it's yeah. or if they could somehow had James Cameron to be like hey MPAA just let it happen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He did it with Abyss. He could do it again. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, but this God. scene, man, I absolutely love. It. And there's so many, as you watch it so many other times, this scene specifically is is my favorite section or story of the whole movie. Uh, coach uh, that we mentioned earlier, the pirate. Oh, the hot dog costume. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's yep, in there. Yep. So that's the implication that their mom is the cat lady because you see her. Um, there's some people you see like extras in the background. They are back now. The place where they party is Sheep's Meadow. Mm-hmm. So Sheep's clothing. Yep. Um, Bo Peep is my favorite thing to watch because I, you know, as a day job, I happen to work at an animal hospital, and I have a very dumb dog, uh, who's very like runtish, like very not bright in the head, but very beautiful. <laughs> he's a, he's a good looking boy, just not smart. And Janet's characterization, <laughs> once you watch it, feels like almost like Ed in Lion King. Like okay. not the brightest bulb, but very it's just like, oh, what a cute dog. Because if you if you take into account like they're they're dogs and they're yeah. like this pack mentality, she's very much like the uh, hey, like just why she'd probably be the one wagging her tail for like nothing. Like that's how yeah. I, I I'm not it. here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And just everything, the the, the fact that even with, with it in the context of the movie, it seems like only women can be werewolves. Um and then there's that whole I mean, there's so many things you can do. Obviously, it's a man writing it, so you know sure. they're there's some connotations that maybe we're not the best suited to write for, but if you, if you had a female writer with this material, with this world, mm-hmm. I like, can you imagine what they could run with? I remember Doherty for a while wanted to write a series, I think, about female werewolves. I had a bad title for it. I oh, no. I believe it was called Bitches, if I was right. <laughs> I think it was in <laughs> development for a little bit. I was like, that's not, even, even when it was announced, I'm like, you kind of have to change that title when it comes to production. And I don't think I ever got to production phase, but I was in pre-production for a bit. <laughs> I, if Lana Condor could have a Netflix show called Boo Bitch, then I'm sure they could have done bitches. So <laughs> They could have. Yeah, they could have. You just need, you know, you know what you, what you do is you, you create the show and then just have the rest of the whole team just be the writers be women, you know, directly yep. be women. Just like, hey, I got this awesome idea, but like, I'm a dude. Like, I'll let y'all run with this. <laughs> yep, yep. But I, I love the connotation of that. Like, women are are werewolves and empowered by mm-hmm. it. And again, like, 
where we see American Werewolf in London and the howling and it's very painful or Hemlock Grove, for instance, like it's very painful mm-hmm. to see how they transform. This is euphoric and, and it mm-hmm. feels like they talk about tradition, which is a big part of all of trick or treat, but this specifically, it seems so tailored for what trick or treat is like as an anthology movie and how playful it is all the jokes too beginning when they start making sense like i had some bad mexican that means they ate some mexican Mm -hmm. and it did sit well (laughs) and all those it was like oh no we were in san diego this year like just like they are roving like the united states just (laughs) devouring yes yes um so good yeah so after laurie digs in they all kind of howl and devour their prey as sam watches from the edge of the clearing and we get the cool little match cut of sam's head and the moon um Mm -hmm. so this must have been probably like the latest point of the film uh or at least one of them because he would have had to have gone there after dealing with Krieg no, and, it would have to maybe? be Rhonda, right? Because Rhonda hears the howling. So yeah, maybe he goes there after, after, um, like right after he probably walks section. over to Rhonda. Yeah, okay, and then he comes back to town. Okay, yeah, yeah, and then Emma. Yeah, because really Emma, Emma is probably the final, final yeah. thing. Yeah, okay, yeah, makes sense. Um, well, I don't know about that we'll, oh, we'll get sure. to that in a moment yeah we'll get, yeah um but yes uh we cut to earlier as the clown kid uh trio approach the door of a spooky dark house and one of them musters the courage to knock and then you get a beat and then you hear the many locks start unlocking and just the looks on their faces as they're waiting and the door slowly opens to darkness and a wheezing breath. And then you get a growl and glowing eyes and the kids run off in Taylor, uh, terror dropping their candy. And, uh, we get Krieg stepping into the doorway and he calls his costume dog Spike back to him. <laughs> and we see that the dog's got a little mask on with the glowing <laughs> eyes, actually. And he's also got one of those little skeleton costume t-shirt things. Um, <laughs> it's it's great. Krieg, Krieg loves his special boy. Um, but like yeah, The only thing he loves. <laughs> yeah, that's really uh, that and uh, booze. Um, he sits down in front of the fire to watch an old Ron Popeil infomercial, you know, the whole set it and forget it thing. (laughs) My God, that that took me back when I was like watching it. That's how I knew I was old. Like when I was watching this movie, I was like, oh yeah, I remember watching it. Oh wait, shit. And I had a TV like that when I was growing up. Oh shit. Yep, exactly. Um, and he's kind of flipping through the channels and we get some stuff, um, you know, like the, uh, the news, um, uh, thing from downtown, um, and, uh, I think it's, uh, what is it? Uh, monster Island, the one, uh, Scooby-Doo movie, uh, oh, there's a little yes. snippet from it. And, uh, and he finally, finally just settles, uh, back on the infomercial while he kind of, you know, passes on the candy. It's probably a good thing and, uh, goes back to drinking himself to death. Um, and it's probably some of Wilkins poison stuff because he got it from, you know, the trick or treaters, it's not his own supply there. Yeah, so yeah, he technically saved those kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. So they, maybe they yeah. didn't have such a bad night after all. 
Um, they're just scarred for life. That's all. <laughs> yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Spite hears something and starts barking his buns off and Creed goes to investigate looking out the window and he sees his front gate swinging closed. And that's when we get an egg flying at his window hard enough to break the glass. And you just barely see Sam running away. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where he got the eggs, but uh, he has his ways. Um, so Creed goes to the closet and grabs a baseball bat. And he hears his dog outside now in the backyard. Um, and we get the other angle of uh, Krieg dealing with his dog and talking to Wilkins mm-hmm. as uh, the dog is just digging after this finger like crazy because he's got cheat. And um, <laughs> you get Sam watching all of this from the shadows. Uh, so Craig finally you know, heads back inside with his screw you. And, um, and back in there, uh, Spite's barking at the front door. So Craig just bursts outside, you know, to tell off some kids only to find jack-o'-lanterns everywhere. And it looks great. It looks like Rhonda's house. Um, but, uh, he, he's like about to smash one of them with the bat when spites barking again at something else. And Craig looks back in and he sees spite focused on the stairs to the second floor and the doggy door is swinging. Um, so he comes back inside and the dog runs upstairs. And while Craig is locking up, um, he starts to hear, you know, stuff upstairs and he looks up the ceiling and there's the barking and this childlike laughter that, you know, eesh, that's never a good sign. Uh, so he grabs his shotgun and starts to go up the stairs and there's this little flash of Sam running by the head of the stairs and there's like a spark of like a light going out or something like that and he ascends the stairs and I think this is maybe where we get like the super super effective pitter patter of little kid feet oh, yeah. uh, which is always extra creepy and somewhere around here, the dog probably dies because yeah, there is a whimper. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and I'm pretty sure that's where Sam gets the blood for, um, purposes. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, he makes his way down the hall and pushes the bedroom door open with the shotgun. And there's something wiggling under the covers of his bed. And he pulls them back to find this like mechanical zombie hand or something like that. It's such a weird toy. Yeah. It's something probably from the costume shop or something. And, uh, cue the jack-o'-lantern in the corner of the room that bursts into super high flames, revealing bloody writing all around the room. Uh, all different parts of, you know, trick or treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat. And it's everywhere. There's like this, like, beautiful almost like him like version of it playing as he's like looking around mhm mhm it's um wow it is something um and those flames just keep on going from this jack lantern um but uh yeah yeah uh, this is where we cue this kind of rushed camera from the hallway 
which makes you think something is coming from that direction. But mm -hmm. instead, Sam's little hand reaches out from underneath the bed and slashes at his ankle. Ugh. And he drops to the ground and drops his gun. And uh, Sam slowly rises from the other side of the bed, uh, staring at him with this little cock of his head, this little bit of curiosity from him. And then... Um, yeah, Sam uh, lifts up this candy bar and peels back the label to reveal <laughs> the razor blade stuck inside. And Krieg reaches back for the gun, but when he turns back, he finds himself only firing at the jack-o'-lantern instead. And Sam is nowhere to be found. So he flees in terror, and he trips over a glass candy bowl placed at the head of the stairs and falls down the stairs with it. And oh, there's glass everywhere. So and he goes to push himself up, putting his hands in the broken glass. And there is a red gumball that bounces down the stairs in this fun homage to the changeling. Have you ever seen that mm, one? Yes. When I saw so, that, I was like, oh my God. So it, the, the fun bit about that is that the guy working the camera in all of this, is, his first gig was a cameraman on the changeling. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> It's nuts, but, um, yeah, yeah, we get that. And, uh, he kind of uses the gun to help prop himself up and, um, yeah, he, uh, uses, I don't his... know if you noticed this oh, real quick, but I, yeah. on my viewing today, I didn't notice there's also razor blades on the steps. Yeah. There's, there's, there's all this few, shit and I was like, I thought everywhere. it was just a hard candy and the glass that was hurting him. And I was like, well, how's he getting so, I think so this bowl of candy was stuffed with all this shit. And then mm -hmm. just, it all just scatters and breaks and spreads yeah. everywhere as it goes down. But yeah, he's having a bad day. Um, and he's got these horribly bloodied mangled hands and he's trying to get to the, you know, the chain locks and the barrel bolts and all that stuff on his door. And, um, as he's working at all this stuff, we get this great shot from over his shoulder of Sam peeking his head down from the upstairs landing mm -hmm. and then crawling on the ceiling because of course he's crawling on the ceiling and yeah and he's over Krieg and Krieg just kind of looks up because he hears this childlike laughter over him and Sam just drops down shrieking at him the yell the, oh like, yeah. The real yell that comes from Sam is so mm -hmm. frightening. And they tussle with each other and Krieg manages to throw the little boy off and into this big old mirror. Um, and this is where he pounds at his window for his next door neighbor, uh, mm -hmm. principal Wilkins for help. And, uh, you just barely hear the scream, the screw you from Wilkins through the glass. And he steps inside and Sam pounces again, uh, throwing Krieg into the wall and, uh, yeah, they, they fight and, uh, Krieg manages to rip the burlap sack off of Sam's face and it reveals this fairly demonic pumpkin child, um, as he yeah. shrieks again, yes. attacking the camera, yep. it felt like very like a child's play one. Yeah, like when Chucky reveals himself to uh, Andy's mom, and mm -hmm. he just like attacks, and he's like so feral, and just like his head's like spinning and crazy. Yeah, That's and what Sam, it felt like. Sam's got his uh, candy bar razor blade again, but Creek manages to throw him off. Sam drops the blade, 
Um, and as the old man kind of reaches for his gun, uh, the kid is biting at his leg and <laughs> you get this awesome, awesome reaction shot from Sam as suddenly there's a gun in his face right before the shot to the head that sends him sliding across the floor all <laughs> the way to the front door where he just slams against the door. There's pumpkin innards falling out of the wound and, uh, there's a kind of a pile of them near where they were fighting to seeds and everything. Yep. I love it. Yep. And so, uh, <laughs> Craig painfully gets up and reloads. Uh, he blasts Sam once in the chest and once in the wrist, severing his hand and then he walks over to dial nine one one, and he's placed on hold immediately. And this is that bit that I was telling you about earlier, where I discovered this for the very first time. They got some John Williams music in this. This, <laughs> the hold music is the score from the scene from Superman the movie where they're on their date, flying the whole. If you can read my mind, thing. <laughs> it's such a random song. <laughs> I mean, it's WB, so I'm sure, you know, they were able to get the rights to it pretty easily. But oh, yeah. And it's funny, <clears> too, because uh, Dar- yeah, Doherty worked on Superman Returns, which yep. is a continuation of Christopher Reeve's Superman story. Yeah. It's so like the real kind of Superman nod, but, 3, right? <laughs> oh, my God. It's such a random song, though, to have. It is. It's so weird. Um, and then as soon as he gets somebody on the line, the phone cord gets ripped out. Um, and he looks around and there's Sam still slumped against the front door. Cue the evil dead to disembodied hand stabbing him in the leg with the razor blade. Oh. And, um, he kicks it off and falls to the floor. I don't know how he's standing anyways, after, you know, no. getting, you know, his ankle sliced like that. Um, but yeah, he, he drops to the floor again and, um, yeah, the hand, comes to and kind of scampers off. Yeah, uh, you know, poke Sam. Yep, yep. And we get the, you gotta be fucking kidding me thing as this happens, which is, you know, great homage to the thing. Again, yes. perfect because, you know, Krieg, his whole look is supposed to be like John Carpenter. Um, you know, with yeah, the he long, does look it like yeah, so much. Yep. And um, so he, he grabs his gun realizes he's out of shells and just kind of drops it aside and then looks up to see the hand dragging the mask back over to Sam and the, the, the hand just kind of taps at him on the leg to wake him up. And, um, so then it turns itself around kind of reattaching itself to Sam's wrist. You see the innards of the pumpkin stuff kind of coming back together because <laughs> this shit just kind of flows throughout his entire body. He is some kind of weird pumpkin child. Um, oh, so good. Um, and this is where Sam just, uh, well, no, at first, uh, Krieg is looking at all of this happening and he lets out this weak little, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> this is where like the comedic timing of Ryan Cox, which he's so good at as well. Oh, yeah. Like if you've seen like Super Troopers or anything like that. Yep. And he's not just this menacing figure at, as an actor and stuff. He's or dramatic. He's also so funny in that oh mm-hmm. no. Uh-huh. <laughs> so good. Yep. And uh Sam kind of lifts up his wrist and he looks at his hand and you hear the little, you know, cracking of his fingers and everything. And, um, yeah, he, uh, reaches down and he pulls his mask back on and then he draws this jack-o'-lantern sucker 
from one of the kids' uh, sacks that were left by the front door. So this is where we discover, how, you know, how he got this sucker thing. And he takes this big old bite out of it, and it creates this, you know, wonderfully wicked little weapon here. Mm. And uh, Creed grabs a liquor bottle and smashes it to create a weapon of his own. But Sam just easily grabs his wrist and snaps it. Um oh. And he raises this sucker up to strike and he brings it down in a stabbing motion. And Krieg is screaming like crazy only to realize that Sam has stabbed a fallen candy bar and is happy now that he's been uh, given something good to eat. Mm -hmm. This is like all he really wanted out of this guy was just to, you know, like all Embrace the writing. The holiday, yeah. Yep. You, you just, you need to embrace the holiday. You need to follow the traditions and you need to give me some candy, which he has now technically done. So the boy kind of steps away with his prize and he turns and he gives Krieg just one last look. And then the door just opens and closes for Sam on its own. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it. it's wild. But uh, Krieg just kind of stares on like what the hell just happened. And then, um, yeah, yeah. Cut to a little while later. Uh, and also Krieg is burning old photos from his bus driving days. I don't know why he has photos of these things, including the kids that so he was incriminating. <clears throat> I know you would have burned these things long ago, dude. Come on. Um, or had but, them in a safe. Like what kind of, yes, weirdo are you? he's definitely a weirdo. Um, Look, you kill people, but God, do it smartly. Yes. Jesus. So here's where we get probably even more innocent kids than the clown trio. Uh, we've got three little pigs. They come knocking oh, at the so door. Cute. Yes. And Craig gives them candy. And the final one, you know, they all say thank you in the best little kid way. But the final one says, thanks, Mr. Craig. Great mummy costume because he's all bandaged <laughs> up from his wounds. <laughs> it's, it's a little just, chuckle. He gives that like, uh, uh huh. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> So uh, he looks next door and he sees Billy dressed as his father, Principal Wilkins, with the matching blood stain on the white shirt and, and everything. The yep. And he's handing out candy from the front porch, probably poisoned and razor bladed up candy. Um, and we see Rhonda across the street. We're cutting back to her with the wagon with the final pumpkin. This is why I think all of this stuff is happening after the, uh, the werewolf yeah. thing. Um, so, and she also get hit by the car. Yeah. Because this, these are the girls before. No, this is still before the werewolf thing then because they had, no, I think it's after cause Anna, Anna Paquin's like wiping her mouth. Like she's like, she's giggling in the, okay. Seat. Okay, so yeah, they grew their skin back and got their costumes back on. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, is, it's this is why we need the murder board with the red strings. This that's why you we need look all like that. Charlie Day though. Yes, <laughs> like no, this is what happens. They put these torn costumes back together. They sewed them back. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, so yeah, we see them, uh, and we've got Sam kind of standing watch on the sidewalk again, staring at Krieg. And this is where we get Emma and Henry again coming back home and Sam witnesses her blowing out the jack-o'-lantern and, you know, he's got more work to do. So he scampers off after them and Krieg goes to head back inside 
and he steps back in, shuts the door, and immediately there's another knock. And he comes back out to find the undead kids from the quarry, thirsty for revenge. And the vampire kid, of course, says, trick or treat. And we cut to black and then get a great final stinger of comic book panels depicting the old man being torn to pieces. And great music. Oh, yeah. Yes, because we get credits and the awesome, awesome score from this film. I can't remember who the composer is, but uh, wow, is it a fun horror score? I love it. Oh, my God. I love it. This movie. (laughs) And the comic book art just like mimicking like some of the Tales from the Crypt, like back Mm -hmm. in the day comics, the EC comics, like it's uh, the panels, everything like that. It's just. It, it, it's such a love letter to horror and not in the sense that we've seen with other horror movies. Like when you see Shaun of the Dead, you understand the influences of oh, sure. George Romero. Like this is such a touchstone for different horror that doesn't get enough love. Right. You know, mm-hmm. werewolves don't get enough love. No, they and, don't. I love a good werewolf weird. flick. Yeah. Cause you always hear them mentioned in the same breath as uh, vampires and you know, other, you know, typical tropey Halloween style monsters. And yeah, when's the last time you saw a good werewolf flick, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then the, the adherence to tradition and Doherty creating, like having this idea of Sam, this, the spirit, literally the living embodiment Mm -hmm. of Sawain being a force of nature and just, and that's why in, in a sense, when a lot of people are like, why do you love Sam so much? For me, it's just how innocent he is. He's so primordial. Mm-hmm. He's like, he is, he does bad things, but it's because they're traditions. You have to follow the traditions. If you don't, you will be punished. And it's a very simplistic black and white view of Halloween. Yes. And I just love like what he does. Like, yeah. All right. Maybe he might kill a cat, but you know what? <laughs> cat did say to him you don't know that maybe the cat got out of the bag later who knows it's yeah we don't know how that played out (laughs) but and and to go back with Rhonda's, like to to see for her to acknowledge him and him to acknowledge her Mm -hmm. because she literally follows the rules to a t oh yeah and nothing bad happens to her and it's not like he's looking to hurt people he just wants to adhere to the traditions of his time yes and doherty's so smart of how he writes sam he it's a character that as the years go by i feel like he gets more recognition and as we have all this merchandise as i mentioned at spirit halloween you you Mm -hmm. yourself just purchased a a figure and it's awesome to see but it it makes it so abundantly clear we need a sequel to kind of cement him as one of these icons of 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 horror and a newer generation because i mean even with someone new let's say like um art the clown right with terrifying sure he has such a impact already within the horror community with two films alone mm-hmm. or three if you count like the one mm-hmm. uh like so, like the anthology that he's a part of as well mm-hmm. but he has such a staying power and it makes sense with a lot of horror fanatics as ourselves being like, well, yeah, Art the Clown, he's that guy. He's that he's that next icon for a newer generation. And a lot of us, I think, want Sam to be. Yeah. And 
I would consider him to because he's literally the living embodiment of Halloween, of spooky season. But he's not there because we don't have too much material to go off. There's two comic right. series, one that just basically recaps this movie and another one that he did, which was a graphic novel, which is really good. I, I highly suggest everyone read it. But we had that announcement of Trick or Treat 2, what, five years ago? It's been a while. And I think yeah. there was a somewhat recent thing from Doherty about like, yeah, I'm I'm still tinkering with it. But, you know, really crickets, right? Um I feel what like Legendary you... will do it because, like, yeah. he also did right by them, but with what was it, Godzilla, King Kong? Oh no, that was Adam. Uh, he did uh, King of the Monsters. King of Monster. Yeah. yeah. So, Which, like, not a bad Godzilla man. film. I, I like that one well enough. Um, yeah. And Krampus. Yeah. I mean, we got Krampus oh, God, as well yeah. out of this, I love which is Krampus. great. Yes. Um, you know, what would you say just because I happened to watch this again fairly recently? Um, what about a little like mini series of shorts a la over the garden wall, uh, featuring Sam? Um, I would I, love that. I, I remember Fearnet. Do you remember Fearnet back oh, in yeah. the day? Yeah. And I remember they, they did something similar to what we had Christmas time with a Christmas story playing 24 hours, you know, yeah. on TBS. We they had 24 hours of trick or treat and they had these <laughs> special shorts they filmed. Nice. And that was like the last media that we had that was like motion picture or TV in sense of Sam. And it was like in the holidays. I always use that as my Christmas photo. And when Halloween ends, <laughs> it's it, it turns into Sam with like the like the winter hat on and the snow and stuff. And I would love something to keep him in the zeitgeist for yeah. Also casual fans. Yeah. Something that didn't have to be your local spirit Halloween. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> as much as I appreciate all the merch. Um, yeah. Yeah. It could be better than what they have at spirit. Sorry guys, but yeah. Mm. Cause I would love to go to like, there's so much stuff, even, even when you go to like a target or whatever, like I saw so much stuff that was, or Walgreens. No, that's what it was. I went to Walgreens with my kids just to, grab like a drink or something and the halloween stuff is in like oh halloween stuff gotta check mm -hmm. it out and there's pennywise and there's freddy krueger and jason and the demigorgon obviously because of stranger things being so sure. popular and i was like man warner brothers has the rights to all, a lot of these movies like nightmare on elm street and stuff and they'll put freddy on everything which is smart he's a very marketable sure you know horror icon but it's just so easy because he's so cutesy in that very last sec, why is there not just in regular stores, not just Spirit Halloween, Sam stuff everywhere, posted, especially around this time? You know, the funny thing is I was able to buy that NECA figure at my local Meyer, uh, you know, the big Midwest okay. grocery chain. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I could have gotten it at uh, Target as well, but even at that Meyer, they even had the three pack of the um uh, little kids with the masks from uh, Halloween three. Um, oh, see, that's even awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's nice to see some of the stuff, the merch, you know, being in more mainstream places, not just the uh, adult toys section of uh, your local target, but um, you know, it's, uh, it's cool to see. Um, yeah. More trick or treat, please. More holiday-themed horror from uh, Doherty. Uh, that would be good. Um, he has yeah. such a knack for it. Because <laughs> Krampus, yeah. is, is, Krampus so is so well much done. fun. 
I forced my folks to watch that with me last Christmas when I was spending time with them down in Florida. Um, it, it, it was fun. I, I don't think my dad particularly enjoyed it. He's not really into comedies or horror films. Uh, my mom's really not into horror films so much, uh, even though her name is Rosemary and she was teased without mercy over Rosemary's oh, baby because yeah. you know, she would have been really? in uh, like high school and college around that time that that book and movie were a big thing. Um, <laughs> That's but, hilarious. but, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, Krampus is fantastic, and I have absolutely made sure to add that to my regular uh, Christmas viewing. Um, Same, just that, like that goes hand to hand with quintessential, like, like old school kind of, like traditional. You know, like talking about Krampus tradition and what it means and mm-hmm. things like that. And it, it, that's so darkly comedic. Yeah. It's so Tony Collette is so good in that. Yes, she is. <laughs> and he, he has such a knack for this like holiday themed. Not that he necessarily need to do one, you know, I was no. like, we're all doing a Thanksgiving one. Right. Right. Now. right. So, <laughs> finally, after all these years, by the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, But hey, I don't need everything like that, but he has such a knack for horror. And I would love like something maybe another themed one would, would be nice, like a Valentine's Day or something like that. So to take the stain of the David Boreanaz Valentine's Day movie. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's wash that out. And then maybe we could get a fun, um, you know, carnivorous Easter bunny movie. Um, <laughs> you know, we can dream. Um, you know, I, I normally ask a guest, you know, final thoughts on the film that uh, we talked about at this point. But I think we've gotten most of them out there. Unless there's anything else that you have to say about Trick or Treat. No, I, I would honestly say this has to be must see viewing for anyone um i can see where some people who have like a more like gorier mindset for horror like people who love to see kills and gore and stuff like that there's there's plenty of it here there's there's little things here but it feels so timeless other than you know like the artwork getting dropped you know those those two times it that's the only time where it places it in these aughts or like early, yeah. like late nineties or the like, style oh, of yeah, cell phones. Right. <laughs> yeah. But there's like the, the timelessness of the town, the mm-hmm. story it tells the fun it has because it's, it's so much fun. And you can get like legitimately good scares out of it as well. None of the hard movies don't necessarily need, in my point of view, need to be something where you're terrified at the end. You can get a jump scare here and there and just live in this horror world. Like Crimson Peak to me is like a to, to go a little bit off topic is a great horror movie in my sense, but it's so because it's so gothic and everything mm-hmm. like it's so horror adjacent that I think it's it's a good movie, not necessarily like jump scares here and there, but it's so well crafted. Yes, and this this feels like that. Like this feels like this could be at any given time, any given place, any small town, and it's just oddly enough how complicated it is with the timing <laughs> and everything and how it plays with it. It's a simple movie. Of it is traditions and Halloween. Mm-hmm. That's and all it is. Simple film, but it is incredibly well put together. It's yeah. oh my god! It's you got to be able to appreciate that, even if you don't care for the film that much. If you watch this and you see how all four stories weave into each other. Um, and you don't at least appreciate how well that was taken care of. There's something wrong with you. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. Hey, we can't be friends. 
If you don't yeah. like this movie, we can't be friends. Yeah, sorry. That's uh, that's kind of a red flag deal breaker right here. You got to mm-hmm. at least somewhat enjoy a trick or treat. So, yeah, thank you for uh, bringing this film and uh, this conversation. Absolutely. I really appreciate being able to do this again. Uh, if you'd like, Carlos, where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm your doctor recommended dose of nerdiness, a.k.a. your nerd today. You can find me on YouTube.com slash nerd today. Uh, where I have the Nerd Today podcast, and more recently, uh, we launched it, but there's a little bit of a break just because a bunch of giant video games came out, <laughs> like Starfield and Baldur's Gate. But we have a Final Fantasy retrospective podcast where I launched uh, with alongside Frank and Har from Point of Progress called uh, Chaos Bringers, where we are going through each numbered Final Fantasy title. Right now, I've completed four. I'm just waiting for Frank to take some time away of Starfield and Baldur's Gate to play Final <laughs> Fantasy 4. Uh, that'll be our next episode when that happens. But yeah, you can follow me on socials as well. Um, Nerdaday on everything but X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. There's underscores there. Um, but yeah, so I have posted all my stuff there. Um, and yeah, anywhere you can find audio podcasts as well, you'll see that there as well. And Twitch.tv slash Nerdaday. I'm trying to bring that the streaming back soon hopefully <laughs> especially right. with spider-man 2 right. on the horizon yeah man uh we, we are definitely eating well in uh 2023 where video games are concerned unfortunately the people that make them are not doing quite so well mm-hmm. um but that is an absolutely separate topic but um labor strong is all i'm saying um yeah. <clears throat> but otherwise this has been Murders with Mertens, a horror film podcast. Thank you for letting us tickle your ear holes. Please like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. I'll be back soon enough with another episode, but until next time, stay spoopy, everyone.